Now it's time for this week's film reviews with Mark Sibby and Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. It's Phoenix FM Film Reviews with me, Stuart Pink. And some say the last time he played Tetris, he built a life-size digital replica of the entire Champs-Élysées. It's Mark Sibby. <laughs> Is that a possible thing? Like, did you look that up? Um, no, but I feel like you could do it. Uh, I, I, well, not me personally, but... <laughs> I do wonder if you're able to. Yeah, that would be awesome. Make things. You'd need yeah. a very big screen if you're going to do it live. You, well, that's true. You would need a very big screen. There's you know, widescreen able... and there's widescreen, and that is. Uh, well, you wouldn't need. To, you wouldn't be able to do it on a Game Boy. <laughs> that's the thing. You, you wouldn't. Know, yeah, some of the newer ones. Uh, you know, they, yeah, they, they did get better, bit better, didn't they? Bit bigger. I guess so. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, if you wanted to do it on the Switch, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, I you can't so. beat the Game Boy Color, really. When it comes yeah. to it, ultimately, you know, they've tried several times. The, the Game Boy Color, but then with the additional um, uh, screen enhancer thing on that. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. You clip it yeah. on. And yeah, it you just clipped like it on. Bit of magnifying glass. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, it was just a magnifying glass, basically. All the technology. Oh. All the technology. But do you know what? We all bought one. That's the yeah. thing. Because we were yeah. like, yes, we want to see it better. So, oh, it's yeah. like about a centimetre bigger. This is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, back yeah. in the day when you were like, "That's all I've got. This is all I can do." Yeah, no, uh, you know, no uh, amazing graphics. Having said that, I thought they were amazing graphics at the time. They, they were. Some of the games they were, are still amazing. Yeah, they were. I remember exactly. playing when this this as the game came out. I forget what it was called. It was like a a jet fighter game, and you could you could fight as like a you know. They, obviously, the picture on the cover was like, "Oh wow, this looks amazing." You plug it in. There's like four blocks per plane. Um, <laughs> But I thought this is revolutionary. You're yeah. flying in any direction you can go, actually diagonal as well as left and right. It was incredible. But that was the thing. Like growing up with stuff like that, you were like, this is amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Of course, now you look back and you go, well, it was a bit blocky and it was, it was quite slow. But at the same at the time, you were like, this is amazing. But even with Tetris, which obviously we'll come to in a sec, even with Tetris, when that was released, I mean, the, that was so revolutionary in terms of gameplay and yet it's so simplistic really when you think about it because it's a block of four that's all it is it's four blocks in yeah. different ways you know it's a square or it's a line or it's it's the t-shape uh sorry the whatever the shape is you know yeah it's kind of a t-shape isn't it or um it's like an upside down l or something. i mean just thinking about it now i'm like it's it's amazing now, you saying that, it's just got me wondering if they ever did name the shapes because it was so... I feel like I've had lots of conversations about that where you're like, that, you know, the L, the sideways yeah. L, the upside yeah. down T. And yeah. <laughs> we know what you mean, but it's very They must have done. They must yeah. have done. They must have or at least, Or at least, you know, in our own little groups when we were growing up, we probably had their own names for them that didn't correspond at all to what the Tetris inventor uh, yeah. had called them but that uh, one you know, called Sean a... do you remember that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> As I said, you know, yeah the the upside down L it, he probably called it something completely different but we were like upside down L that's what it is yeah it's an upside down L yeah definitely yeah I mean obviously the reason why we're talking about Tetris and old computer games is because first film to review this week is Tetris oh here we go right off the starting blocks like oh <laughs> <laughs> like like Tetris, but uh, I must make it clear: it's not a movie about falling blocks. It's not 
Oh, it's not two hours of just watching coloured blocks. No, it's not. I mean, you Uh, could imagine that coming in from the club one night. Well, exactly. Coming in from the club one night, put Tetris on. It's two hours of falling blocks. I mean, I think most people would probably enjoy that. Um, No, this is this movie is about businessman Hank Rogers and Tetris inventor Alexei Pajitnov, who join forces in the USSR, risking it all in order to bring Tetris to the world. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, who knew such a basic computer game like Tetris had such a phenomenal behind-the-scenes story? It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, do you know what? It's it's a little bit unfair to call Tetris basic because, I mean, it's hard work <laughs> playing that game. There's nothing really basic hard. about them skills. No, there yeah. isn't. But also, judging by this film, it was an incredibly in-depth, not only piece of of gaming but also piece of programming and also and probably most of all to be honest with you counter propaganda as well yes i mean you don't even imagine back then that you would need to all that involved because it just seems so simple when you're playing it on your little device but yeah but but basically yeah but this film so so this film basically opens up the real story of how it was a fight between one businessman hank rogers and the entire USSR government, and also Robert Maxwell's empire. I mean, it's an extraordinary story on its own, and I do think the film does it justice. Um, you, you know, the, there's early scenes with Hank Rogers, uh, played by Taron Egerton, who is trying to sell his bank manager on getting a loan for Tetris, and you go, well, this is... I'm quite invested in this already. And if you're invested in that, you know you're in for one heck of a ride. And then the film kicks into gear when Rogers has to go to the USSR and try and license the game for international distribution from their government. And then suddenly up pops all manner of people and organizations standing in his way. It's it's a it's an absolute minefield for Rogers, but he has this like steely determination. And we continuously watch him not bow down to the Soviet government. I mean, so much so that he starts to become his own sleuth in order to find the real man behind Tetris, because the USS government won't tell him who invented it. <laughs> Could possibly divulge that information. Uh, well, this is a, wow. well. It's all set obviously on, on the on the sort of towards the end of the Cold War as well. So you've got mm. all of that those tensions oh, yeah. there as well. Now, obviously, yes. The film amps up the tension a little bit too much at times. And yes, listen, I'm sure there are Hollywood liberties taken with certain scenes and or dialogue to get the tension going. However, I really did not care because it's done in such a way that you want Hank Rogers to be victorious, even though you know the outcome. You've played the game. You know it got licensed internationally at that time. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't you still matter. feel the tension. They've you sown still the seeds. feel the tension because this is a David versus Goliath story. And it is, you know, it's, it's just, it gets, it got to me, even when Hank Rogers just got a little bit of positive news. I was like, that's fantastic. That's brilliant. Keep going. Keep going. Now, the film itself plays out in a series of rooms. It's, it's kind of sort of like a cross between a courtroom drama and a chamber piece. It's all about the dialogue. It's all about the little 
manoeuvres that Rogers and all the so Soviet government and all Robert Maxwell's empire do. So it is it could be seen as a literal real life game of Tetris with every single character and or organization trying to maneuver into the best possible line they can. Wow. Like a literal game of actual like a, Tetris. That's the thing. Like everybody <laughs> is trying to find the best way in to find the best way of getting Tetris. It's fascinating to watch. And, and you sort of, you, well, certainly I did. I kind of forgot that this is all over a, a computer game. Like it felt <laughs> so much bigger. It sounds like and it, and a bridge of spies or, or that kind of. Do you know what? That's a really good um, analogy there, actually, is that it is very close to something like Bridge of Spies, actually, because yeah. you forget it's about the game and you actually go, oh, well, this is, a, this is about the people. This is about the people who are in it fighting back against governments and you know people who've got X amount of money to do whatever they want, basically. I was really transfixed by this. I mean, the film has so much tension running through it. It, it. It's almost like you're playing Tetris and you have that four line vertical block coming down and you, you know, you're only like six lines from the top or something like that. You're like, I don't know what to do with it. What oh, am I going to do? What yeah. am I gonna, I've got, I've got a decision. That's how much tension is in this film. Oh, brilliant. I mean, I, when I saw the trailer, I thought this would either be um, brilliant because of the, the angle it was clearly taken with the um, trying to get the, the rights from the Russians um, mm. or it would, it would, be a, a homage just to a game we all remember a bit of nostalgia but it's a, <laughs> it does seem like they've they've nailed the uh the drama that's the thing i think that's the best way of describing it is that the tetris is a drama it's a it's yeah. almost a thriller as well and you go what why what what what's that i don't understand you go it's the behind the scenes story it's got so much intrigue to it and not I, I can't imagine any of us knew that, or, or most of us didn't know it. I certainly didn't know it. And you watch this and you go, wow, absolutely fascinating. Brilliant. And um, that's definitely a story I didn't know anything about. I don't know how many people played Tetris versus how many people knew the origins of Tetris. <laughs> well, at the end of the film, it tells you how many copies Tetris has sold around the world. I'm not going to spoil it. I imagine there's a couple. Yeah, well. Definitely two well, of us let, here. Me, let me tell you, there was a lot of zeros on that screen. <laughs> Incredible. So you thought that uh, they managed to get all the pieces together and uh, and everybody fitted in well. <laughs> yes, it fitted very nicely together. Yes. Yeah. You had to give it a level. What level? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So where's, where's this out, Tetris? So Tetris is now streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, it's a shame it's not on the big screen. Well, it kind of would be because there are scenes that actually show you Tetris just on the screen. As oh, okay. It's there. So, so it's you much can imagine than the original. <laughs> yeah, it is. But even then, you know, we've all got big TVs now anyway. So when they does that, it, it actually looks really good. And it did make me think, oh, imagine playing Tetris on, on a giant screen, like on a on a cinema screen, because they do that, <laughs> you know. They have tournaments in cinemas, you know, FIFA tournaments, Street Fighter tournaments. Imagine having a Tetris tournament on a big cinema screen. I mean, it's oh, my God, let's make that happen. Let's do that. <laughs> great idea. Yeah, yeah, just mind-boggling. stand underneath it and just, like, watch them coming to... Like, <laughs> you could. 
You could. Here comes yeah. the big one. The upside Here down arrow's going to hit me. Well, could you imagine the tension in the room, though, as well? That's the thing. Oh, yeah. They'd be cheering and booing. And... There would be. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe <laughs> so, Maybe they already do it, and we just don't know this. They just but haven't invited us because we all live They just haven't minds. invited us. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it would be such a good idea. And if it is already happening, fantastic. Yeah, let us know. We'll be there with bells on and Game Boys in hand. No, with blocks on. Blocks on, that's it. With blocks on. (laughs) This is Phoenix 98 FM. Just when you thought it was over, here is another film review. Um, slightly differently. What else you got for us, Mark? Uh, so uh, now on digital download is a film called Breaking, and this is about Marine War veteran Brian Brown Eastley, who holds up a bank. His only demand is he his re- he is to receive the money he is owed. Oh, okay. Now, I've been there. This is yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is based on a real event. Uh, Brian Brown Eastley basically did walk into a bank and demanded what he was owed. This was back in 2017 in Georgia, North America. Um, and wow. ju- just reading about the story, because I read about it after I'd seen the movie, I, I just found it really emotional. As- and I was like, wow, this, this guy just-, just wanted what he was owed. That was it. Nothing more, nothing less, just what he was owed. So bringing that emotional story to the screen, I think, required some some real emotion and truth. I couldn't think of anybody better to play Brian Brown Eastley than John Boyega. He, yeah, yeah he, he, I mean, let, let, you know, here's an actor that has slowly been making great films and challenging films, as well as obviously doing the old blockbuster here and there as well. And I think now we're seeing his best work with Breaking. I, I think this is his best work to date. I think it's, I think he's just absolutely brilliant. And I was watching it and I was thinking, there's probably only one other person I could see doing such a stellar job in the lead role. And that would have been Denzel Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Blimey. High praise. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not joking as well now when I say Boyega's performance in this movie is Denzel levels of brilliance. It's sensational, but for very different reasons than what you would think. And that yeah. is because it's a very reserved performance from Joe, uh, from Boyega. But then it needed to be because Brown Eastlake isn't going into the bank all guns blazing. Instead, it's all about the methodical approach here. He wants what's owed. And this is the only thing he, he wants. And it's the only way he knows how to do it because all the other options have not worked out for him. And you can feel his frustration and you can you can see his rising anger that, that's just burning away. and But also you have a lot of respect for him because he never really loses his cool about the whole situation. And yeah. that, that I, this is where it came, came about that I was like, well, this is Denzel levels of brilliance from Bo Yeager because it's a brilliant performance. And it's one that makes you like, and I think on some level maybe love, this person for what he's doing you know he's standing up for his rights unfortunately he's just done it in in the wrong way but you kind of understand why he's gone about it that way as well yeah oh wow fantastic i think we'll yeah we have literally all, all been there on the end of a phone arguing with these people about various different things but um, yep. 
it's, it's obviously an extreme measure, but it's good when they, they kind of capture you in that sort of story. And you feel like you're, you're seeing it from both sides. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Not easy it, to it, do. It's not. It's not. Um, the film really does focus on the injustices that Brown Eastley suffered from the corporations that owed him money. You're talking about a Marine War veteran here, by the way. You know, he's he's served his time for his country. He's he's owed what he is owed. He's got all of the receipts to prove this as well. And yet he's blocked at every point. One of the films that it reminded me of a little bit was the Michael Douglas movie Falling Down from a few decades ago. Um, I've seen other people liken this to Fruitvale Station, the Michael B. Jordan movie. I would say the closest other movie to breaking is Dog Day Afternoon. And the reason for that is because there are elements in this that show Brown Eastley was just a regular man, you know, up against the system that's holding him back. But it's also got touches of humor in it. And there's oh, a moment in this good. movie where the phone rings and he picks it up and he goes, oh, uh, who do you want to speak to? And they're not there. And he goes, I'll take a message if you want. You know, it's, it's little touches like that. And that's why I'm like, well, that was the same as Dog Day Afternoon. There was little touches of humor in Dog Day Afternoon. You watch Dog Day Afternoon and you you go, it's full of tension, but it's funny as well at times. Yeah. Um, um, that, is, that is a tough ask for a lead role. It is. To go it, full Denzel Washington with humor. Yeah, that, that's the thing. But you're talking about Denzel here. You could even make a point to say this is sort of Sidney Poitier-esque performance. You could, you know, and I, I brought up their Fruit Velvet Station, so, you know, Michael B. Jordan, Michael Douglas as well, Falling Down, Al Pacino, uh, Dog Day Afternoon. It's all here. It's all here. There, there is genuine human emotion running all the way through this film. Boyega is brilliant. The film is brilliant. This one really snuck up on me, and I came away going, wow, what a job. What an absolute job and a half this film is. Fantastic. A bank job with a very high interest level. Yes. Yeah. That's. A, do you know what? As much as, hey, that's a joke, it's a serious point. And do you know what? I think you've perfectly encapsulated how this film plays out. Serious point, but there is a bit of humour in it. Excellent. So I, I struggled to find this. I'm glad you sent me the link for it. So it's called Breaking, mm. um, but there's also a, a, another title, um, 892. So 892 is the US version. Ah, okay, right. But here in the UK, it's called Breaking. Uh, it's got John Boyega on the poster, basically, on the phone with glasses on as well. Um, it's available on digital download, so all of the places where you would pay to to stream a movie, basically. But, uh, yeah, d- don't miss it. Really don't miss it. This is absolutely fantastic. Performance of a lifetime. And it's one yeah. of those. I saw the trailer. I didn't actually realize. I didn't see the cast straight away. I didn't realize it was John Boyega till about halfway through the trailer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but isn't that the brilliance of yeah. him? That's the yeah. thing. You know, the, as I said, this guy is doing such interesting work. And yeah, they're not all blockbusters. But when you see him in a film like this, you go, okay, this guy's got it. And he's only been acting for what ten years, twelve years, something like that. I'm trying to think when Attack the Block came out. Um, maybe. Yeah, yeah like something 20 like that. 15 maybe I, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head but but that just shows you yeah. how good an actor this guy is and continues to be and i can't wait to see what more he does because 
if he's bringing brilliant levels like that into these small independent movies like Breaking, then yes, please put him in whatever you're going to put him in next and I will watch it. Yeah. Another great performance in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> And now, as a podcast extra, here's another film review. What else you got for us, Mark, on the podcast? So, um, on DVD and Blu-ray is Hellraiser. Now, this is, um, I, I should say, this is, well, uh, well, okay. Um, it's a sort of sequel, I guess, to the original movie franchise it's just a continuation of the franchise maybe this okay. is a thing it's, it's kind of there so this time it focuses on somebody called riley who is struggling with addiction one day she comes into the possession of a puzzle box along with her friends she tries to solve the puzzle unaware that it is that its purpose is to summon evil oh bit like tetris really well, a little bit, but when you open that box, you get a different type of thing. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, That's you scarier. won't know this because, well, you don't watch horror movies, so you won't know what happens when you solve the puzzle. No, here. don't get me this puzzle because I'll just do it or, or it'll go horribly wrong. Um, yeah, I've not been warned. <laughs> no, it, it won't go well for you at all. I mean, anybody who, who watched the original Hellraisers and the, the, you know, the other movies as well will totally understand <laughs> what that puzzle box is all about. Um. So rebooting, remaking, sequeling horror films hasn't really been a worthwhile escapade for many of the recent batch of horror films for well-known franchises. Yeah, it doesn't always go well. No, it doesn't. I think it's a dangerous game to play when you have a much-loved original movie. However, some sequels, remakes, reboots have done well. And I'm going to include this version of Hellraiser in that small category because this is really good uh-huh. and quite scary. So it's not going to be for you. No, yeah, yeah. I saw for the trailer. I thought, right, uh, okay, he's going to tackle a puzzle. Let's see how this goes. Okay, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that automatically within you know a couple of seconds of him tackling that you went, no, this is not for me. Um, <laughs> the thing is with this movie, it's got some of the hallmarks of the original Hellraiser. But then there are new ideas that reinvigorate the franchise. I like the fact that the lead pinhead is now, well, I'm, well, I'm going to guess here, to be honest with you, I'm going to say female. Certainly there is a feminine look about the priest. That's the official name for, for pinhead in this one. Um, now, so I, I imagine some will protest about changing the main Cenobite. But actually... If you go back to the original movie, the original source material, Clive Barker's original pinhead, Cenobite, was non-gender. It was only the media that made it male. So flipping the gender isn't actually a thing here anyway. Uh, however, there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Exactly, exactly. So, however, I think the change does bring a fresh attitude and, and a kind of a different pace to it as well. I thought it worked really well. In fact, all of the Cenobites scared me which is hugely impressive because through the years, there's been some that have been a bit laughable. Um, but yeah, yeah, the ones that they've got in here, I was like, okay, these are genuinely terrifying me. When, when all of them uh, turn up in the big finale, the film does sort of turn into a haunted house siege type movie as Riley and her friends have barricaded themselves into this mansion. 
and it, it brings a bit of a sort of a claustrophobic atmosphere to the film. And I like that about it. You know, it made it feel a bit more personal. Yeah. Oh, nice. Because you were trapped in the house with them and on the outside, you know, with, with these, um, with the Cenobites um, wanting to get in. I do have claustrophobic. to mention. Yeah. If you're claustrophobic, this is not the film for you, by the way. You're absolutely <laughs> not. No way. Um, I want to mention how impressive Odessa Azion is in the lead role of Riley because it, I felt like it was much more than a final girl motif for this character. I thought she was really well written and I thought it was well acted as well. You know, there if there is to be more Hellraiser films, then having Riley as the franchise's Laurie Strode, I think is the way forward. It's a really good character. I think it's really well played as well by Odessa Ezeon. I, I would like to see more of that if they make more. Here's the thing with this movie as well. It doesn't scrimp on the gore or the sickness either. No. Oh, excellent. Plenty of tomato sauce. Plenty of it. I mean, obviously, that's why I said to you, it's not for you. This is not for you at all. (laughs) It knows how to frighten and scare without resorting to jump scares, without, you know, resorting to loads and loads of jump scares. I think it has the right blend that harks back to the original movie and yet also looks and feels very modern in the, the horror stakes, shall we say. Um, yeah, that's a tough line to walk that when you're trying to do the original justice without just redoing the original. Well, recently we reviewed obviously the Halloween movies, you know, the the, the recent oh, yeah. trilogy by David Gordon Green. And I said to you, well, the first one's very good. And then by the third, we were like, what is this? This is awful. Um, <laughs> there's there's another horror movie coming up um soon from a it, it's a it's a continuation of a horror movie franchise i don't want to spoil it because i can't say too much about it um because there's a big embargo about it but you can see how people are going okay we're going to do more in an established franchise but when you do something like what they did with halloween you go why bother this is absolutely terrible but when they do something like this with hellraiser where They've only, you know, they've changed it. They've changed it a bit, but not loads. So yeah. those of us who are fans of the original movie and and Hellraiser two, I am a fan of Hellraiser two, um, will still really appreciate this. But anybody coming to this new and starting at this one will still really like it if you're a horror fan, obviously. So I think you know, look, I, I, you know, this is a this is a worthwhile entry into the franchise. Excellent. So do you need to have seen the, the original ones to watch this if you're coming in at new? Or can you uh, skip those and I, go I modern? I think it's a, it's a good question. I would say yes, based on the fact that then you understand the puzzle box power. Yeah. And it's summoning summoning of of evil more than, than in this. I, I think in this one, it does give you a little bit of information. But when you've seen at least... Well, at least the original Hellraiser, then you'll understand where it's coming from a bit more. Nice. So a successful reboot of an old horror film. Do you think they're going to, um, is that they kind of left so deceived for, for more? Or would you well, want to see it? I would, I would like to see another one. If the people who made this come back, I mean, obviously there's some people who won't come back because they killed off in it. So, you know, yeah. I can't see them coming back, but yeah, I would like to see the main people, <laughs> who worked on this come back, you know, writer, director as well. And obviously, as I said, Odessa Ezeon as Riley. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see her in the sequel. You'll be there with your puzzle in your hand. 
Well, well, I'm not sure about that. The funny thing <laughs> is, I I do actually own the puzzle, but it's no. years ago. Wow. Years ago, they put out Hellraiser one to three, the original movies, in the puzzle box. Oh, so wow, I, that's cool. So I have the DVDs in the puzzle box, and when you open the lid, it sort of falls out and whatever. Else. So I, I do kind of have the box, but you can buy a proper box. I, I've seen people selling them on, you know etsy and other sites like that um i don't know if i'd want that not sure is it worth the risk i'm not sure exactly is it worth the risk i don't think it is (laughs) brilliant um yeah i've never seen the original um, but i have once had acupuncture and it did remind me a lot of the image (laughs) (laughs) i think that's the the yeah for anybody who's never seen the original that's that's a pretty interesting image isn't it um and and that obviously that's why you know Pinhead comes into it basically, um, but it's it's more than that. It's so much more than that. But yeah, acupuncture in in horror movies. Wonderful. So Hellraiser, your idea of horror heaven? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. What you got for us next week, Mark? So next week, uh, following on from this week's Tetris, next week we're going to do Super Mario Brothers. Oh, here we go. They're all coming I kid, back. I, I, honestly, I kid you not. Super Mario Brothers, we're going to do that. Um, then we're also going to do uh, a true story of how Nike got Michael Jordan. Oh, brilliant. I've been seeing the trailer for this. Yeah, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Uh, it's a behind-the-scenes true story of how they got Michael Jordan. So we'll do that. And then also we will do the new Guy Ritchie movie, Operation Fortune. Rue de Grise. Oh, who do you want? That, that's, that's the full title. <laughs> Operation Fortune, Rue de Grise. Makes perfect sense. I'm exactly. Sure. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a new Guy Ritchie movie. We'll also do that. Oh, excellent. I feel like I'm reliving my childhood. We've got Super Mario, we've just had Tetris, and now we're strapping on some Nikes. We are there. That's a good point, actually. I never even thought about that. Yeah, yeah, we, we are going to look super retro next week. <laughs> pack a track suit <laughs> oh no a, a shell suit yes that's it a shell that's suit it. that's it pack a shell suit um uh, because you're going to need those and you're also going to need your, your air jordans <laughs> film reviews on phoenix fm with mark sibby and Stuart pink miss this week's film reviews then listen again on phoenixfm.com or wherever you get your podcasts.